0: Started. I'm Joe, and I'm Brian, and we are Where Is the Rulebook Podcast, and we bring you a weekly board game walkthrough for your lunch break or your daily commute. This season
1: one of Where Is the Rulebook Podcast, we're going to be focusing on getting started in the world of board games, staple board games for a game night. We will be walking you through rule books of some of the most loved board games known by all.
0: In today's episode, we will introduce a new game. give you some general information about it and then we'll talk about how to win what it takes to set the game up actions each player can take per turn and what causes the game to come to an end and then we'll get a little more personal we'll talk about our strategies what we do to try to win every time we play and our overall opinions of the game for today's game we are playing as settlers trying to build settlements on an island of Catan. each settler Will plan his legacy by creating trade routes and then harvesting empire to become the most victorious settler. This game is called Settlers of Catan or Catan.
1: According to the box, this game takes roughly 60 to 120 minutes. That's one or two hours,
0: and the recommended players are three to four. On Board Game Geek, it says it's best with four. I totally agree. They also make an expansion for five or six, which is my favorite way to play but it does bring in special rules we are not going to talk about today. The game style for Catan is it's a resource collection game.
1: Now, where is the rulebook? For setting up the board, it consists of 19 different tiles. These tiles are mountains, which produce ore, forests, which produce wood, hills, produce brick, fields, produce grain, pastures, produce sheep and one final one that produces nothing, this is the desert. These tiles are randomized and placed in a 3,
0: 4, 5, 4, 3 row, which makes a giant hexagon. And those 19 terrain hexes that we're talking about, in every game there will be 4 fields, 4 forests, 4 pastures, 3 mountains, and 3 hills, and then the one desert tile surrounding this will be a border of water that came with the game and when putting the water tiles around the board they are numbered so match the numbers up when doing that this will ensure the correct distance between the trading ports next there are a number of tokens
1: and these little number tokens are little tiny little circle pogs they have a number on them as well as dots underneath these dots are the statistics for probability of that outcome being rolled by the dice. This is essential for new players because it gives them an idea of how often that number will be rolled. And the highest probability ones are highlighted in red. These are also randomized and placed on the board on the outer edge counterclockwise, making a spiral to the center. To decide who goes first, you roll two die. And the person who rolled the highest goes first. Going clockwise, you place one settlement in a road anywhere on the board. The second player then places their settlement and their road anywhere else on the board. It's at least two roads away from the first player at a minimum. Then the third player does the same. And the fourth, if there is a fourth, does the same. This is where it gets interesting because now that last player who placed down their settlement and their road gets to do so again. And this goes back to the first player. So if you're first, you can place a
0: settlement in a road first, but you're also last. It's important to note, too, you also get the resources for wherever you place that second settlement. And that all happens before the game even starts. So now we'll go into the actual turns of the game. Pretty much, you do all of these except a few, which we'll talk about. The very first option you have is playing a development card, which you can actually do at any point on your turn. But it is important to note that this is the only thing you can do before you roll the dice. Second thing you do, or for the most part, the first thing you will do is roll those dice. And that's gonna help us collect those resources. So based on whatever number you roll, we're gonna collect, if we have a settlement or a city on that tile, you get those resources. So you potentially get some wood or some brick, which will help you build stuff later. And when collecting resources, you get one resource for every settlement you have touching the number that was rolled. And if you have a city there, you actually get two of those. However, it is important to note If you roll a seven, this is the
1: number where the robber activates. The robber is that secret token that exists on the desert that produced nothing. You get to move that robber anywhere on the board. And wherever you place that robber, it basically stops that number from being rolled. So if that number six is really hot and has been rolled a lot, and you're not on six, you can take that robber, put it on the six tile, and now if it's rolled, nobody gets that resource. And even better, you get to take
0: a resource from that player's hand. And every player that has eight or more cards in their hand now discards half their cards rounded up. And no matter whose turn it is, when the dice are rolled, anyone that has a settlement or a city on a number that is rolled, get those resources. The next thing you can do is build or trade, which you can trade. If it's your turn, you can initiate a trade with any player that you're playing with, or you can trade into the bank. There are also special
1: harbors at the edges. Like we said, the game board is surrounded by water. And in eight of these corners, there's a little ship. On their mast, there actually has a symbol. It could say three to one or two woods to one. These are special places that if you have a settlement, you can utilize those trades
0: instead of having to do four to one. That is true. The four to one trade you can do anytime on your turn after you roll the dice. And this is if you don't want to trade with anyone or if you can't convince anyone else to trade with you for the resource you need. You also receive a player token, which talks about the cost of each item for the building. So there are four things you can build or purchase. First being a road or settlement, cities or development cards. Roads consist of one brick and one wood. Settlements
1: are one brick, wood, sheep and grain cities are two grain three ore and lastly development cards are one sheep ore and grain and you do not have to memorize this you get a cheat sheet like brian
0: said that'll be with you the whole game and remember settlements are worth one victory point and cities are worth two and so that means everyone does start the game with two victory points Um, and you have to be at least two roads away from another settlement when you build so you can't build right next to somewhere you already built and once you build a road a city or a settlement you actually can't take it off the board and so you have to be careful because each player only has 15 roads five settlements and four cities and just because cities are worth two victory points and you get two resources if that number is rolled it doesn't mean you can just build the city you do need to upgrade from a settlement to a city So you do have to build the settlement first, then you can upgrade it later, maybe the same turn, um, and then you can start getting the benefits of having the city there. And once you do upgrade it, you can then rebuild the settlement somewhere else. This is the only time you can rebuild it. And we've talked about development cards. There are four types you can get. Um, There's knights, which let you move the robber. There are a road building card, lets you build two roads for your charge. Year of Plenty, uh, you get two resources of your choice from the bank, or my favorite one is the Monopoly card, and you get to claim all resources of a certain type. So if you don't have that resource and you know a bunch just got rolled, you just take everyone and really you make everyone mad at you. For the development cards that you have, you only can play one per turn unless it's a victory point that makes you win the game. You also cannot play the same card that you just bought that turn unless it's a victory point. Like we said, The game ends when a player has 10 victory points
1: on their turn. This is important. It has to be your turn. You cannot have 10 points on someone else's turn and win. You'd have to wait until your own.
0: So that's how you win the game. But it's harder than that. Everyone has their own strategy. There's not a sure path to win. Like I said, we are all settlers trying to settle on this island making our trade lines, and really becoming master farmers more than anything. For me, getting the 10 victory points doesn't happen often. I think I can count how many times I've won this game, probably on a single hand. Generally do not win, and that's fine. But for me, I always like to focus on getting the wheat, which I think the most important thing to mention here is we always have called it hay. Um, But in the rules, it does say it's wheat, but it's hay, let's be real. So getting hay lets you build development cards, lets you build cities and settlements, which then drives you to victory. So if I can get kind of a monopoly on hay, that's when I do win, um, if I can keep other people off of it. Joe, so what do you do to win? When it comes to how I win,
1: it is a little different. Whether I'm playing for fun with people who'd never played or if I'm playing very competitively, I always play the same style. And that is through the development cards. It's kind of overlooked when you play the game. People see it as I like love a, the development cards. People see it as optional for the most part. I have played with a lot of groups and people just kind of like, oh, if I have the extra, I'll buy it. That's all I go for. I will purposely place my settlement and my roads at the very beginning in hexes, matter the
0: numbers as long as you're between mountains, green and sheep. Obviously I'll go for the better statistics. It is always best to put your settlement or your city on a, you know, a number that does get rolled often, but it is also fun when you have one on a two or a 12. And when that does get rolled, you do feel pretty great. Do you Um, like to trade with other players or do you always go to the bank? Depends. Yeah. So this game and
1: uh, a big, i have with it is if you're playing competitively with friends no one trades
0: unless it's a very unfair deal yeah but if i'm often i get three to one trades when i'm playing with my wife and
1: if i'm playing with my family
0: if i'm playing with younger kids
1: i'll make easy trades all day just for them to have fun yeah um
0: especially for new players i want them to have fun i want them to play yeah one-to-one trades are pretty common yeah until you get to like that eight victory points and then everyone kind of starts hoarding all the resources for themselves which makes sense everyone's here to win it's not we're not trying to win together um but the reason why i play development cards is
1: it in my opinion is the most controlling. uh development cards let you have knights which allow you to move the robber to where whoever you think is doing too good it also gives you points the largest army which gives you victory points The deck itself has several victory points. It has things let me steal resources from people who have too many or get ones I need. Uh, Luckily, it just needs uh, grain or hay or wheat, whatever you want to call it, and mountains, which is ore, to make cities. It's it's very convenient. And I find that I never really build any roads. And I let other people fight for the roads because it seems to be the most common approach is building roads and settlements but uh, i i will
0: not lie when i tend if i try i usually tend to win with this strategy (laughs) and i've never thought of it as a strategy to be honest but i often play that strategy without even knowing i can count more times than i've won that i've been completely circled in and don't get anything that i can build or i can't even build a settlement because i'm too close to everyone else um so i buy development cards because it's the only thing i can do
1: So Brian would you recommend this game
0: i think this game is a must-have for all board game groups i don't know if everyone in the group needs it um but everyone needs to have access to it i think it is well it's our first episode for a reason it is the gateway game to board games pretty much for anything um, it touches on so many different I mean, it's obviously a resource collecting game, but there are, you know, building the roads is another strategy, deck building, which is almost doing your development cards kind of like what you do. Um, it touches on everything, it just doesn't go in depth on much. Um, it is it is a good game. Um, highly recommend, especially if you haven't played it. Is it the game that I grab to go to a game party? Probably not, not anymore. Um, but we were talking earlier today when we've been playing this game for over 10 years, closer to 20 at this point. So I've played this game a lot. Um, so it's not the one I grab, but I think it's a needed one in a collection for sure. How about you?
1: No, I 100% agree. I, when I think of Catan, Catan or Catan, whatever you want to call it, uh, it is a necessary evil. It is by no means a perfect game, However, if you're trying to get someone who doesn't really play board games interested or someone who wants to play more in-depth board games uh, or just see what it is like in this world, this is the gateway, like you said. Yep. This is an, an amazing entry level. It touches on all the basics and teaches you a lot of mechanics that are in every game. Um, do I recommend it? I, I get, like you said, absolutely. If you don't
0: own it, if one of your friends own it, I would say no. Yeah, buy one of the expansions. There's a ton of them. You can add it to your friend's game. I don't think everyone needs a copy of this game, um, but it is. I think the growing up, I played board games with my family, but we played games like Uno or Millborn's, Racco types like that. Um, so when my dad started getting into board games a few years ago, this was the first game I bought him, and the price is reasonable. So this game runs MSRP
1: about fifty five dollars. Lowest it's been has been about thirty six on sale. However, at TC Paintball in Northern Michigan, Traverse
0: City, it runs about fifty dollars. Yeah, for fifty bucks, it's a it's a solid game. Um, Like we said, it's a staple. You you almost have to have it or have someone close to you that have it. Um, And really, for fifty dollars, you get quality pieces. Um, the box is nice. It actually it doesn't have like super like awesome container containers inside of it, but the box itself is built so the all the hexagon pieces fit in a certain spot. The dice fit into a certain spot. If you drop it off the table or something like that, is it gonna spill? For sure. But the pieces are really nice. Um, thick cardboard. The cards feel nice when you shuffle them.
1: I like that the uh, settlements and the cities and the roads they're all wood yeah so it's not like cheap plastic like you get in like a monopoly game yep it's all wood it feels good
0: yeah i think yeah overall it, it looks good um which is surprising for gateway i think most games kind of at that entry level tend to kind of go go a little cheaper on some of the quality to cut costs um but i feel like this game they've done a really good job and you know if you get really into it they have amazing like 3d printed tiles that have like extra texture to the mountains and stuff which are sweet or like spots the roads can click into um doesn't come with that it would be awesome if they made that into an option for the game but it's not there today so we were talking a little before this about
1: the rules and we were being corrected left and right more specifically Brian there was an interesting house rule that you mentioned and I was hoping you could share that with our audience so
0: i don't like leaving everything up to random um chances um and it's a very randomized game in general um i like to move if there are two numbers i don't even care what two numbers are there are two numbers that randomly get selected next to each other i like to move them somewhere else on the board i don't especially if there's eights or sixes next to each other but you know if there's a five next to another five it just it seems to make it whoever gets that double five they're getting two resources every time a five gets rolled. And it just tends to get a little heavy for whoever happened to roll the higher number that very first turn. But I think that's really the only house rule I have. I mean, we generally have played with the five or six expansion. Um, even when we only have four people, it is doable. It just makes the map bigger, makes the game last a little longer. Um, from someone who doesn't focus on road building and gives you a better chance to keep playing a little longer. Um and they have some other rules in there that we kind of have adopted even when we are playing with some uh with smaller groups. Um we don't move the robber until it goes around one time, which is technically a five or six rule. Um we don't do the special building phase on a short term just because you don't get as many cards as you do when there's so many people. Now Are there any other games like this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think Anyone you talk to about board games, new or old, everything is is kind of compared to this, because most people have played it. Um, it. It doesn't really help either that there are a myriad of versions of Catan
1: itself, not including expansions, just yeah. versions of Catan. It's like Monopoly.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can get themed ones and everything. Not to the level as Monopoly yet, but may, I mean, hopefully someday. I'd rather have everyone playing this in Monopoly. If you are in the Northern Michigan area, join us at TC Paintball on Saturday, September 25th, for our very first game day, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., where we'll be opening up Small World. On that day, we'll be at the store to teach and play the game of Small World with anyone who can stop by. This game, and many others, will be available to purchase during the event. You can always find
1: our page on Instagram at Instagram.com slash rulebook
0: or email us at rulebook at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this game walkthrough, and if it's been a while, grab this one off the shelf and play it again on a game night soon. For upcoming episodes, we'll be opening the rulebook on a few more staples like Splendor and Small World. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us
1: a rating on your podcast app today. This episode is sponsored by TC Paintball, local to Traverse City, Michigan. TC Paintball is a paintball, airsoft, tabletop, card, and board game store that excels at bringing in community
0: for all of us to enjoy our hobbies. But all of these games either belong to one or both of us and are not paid sponsorships. Also, to all of our listeners,
1: you can receive 10% off all board games and 15% off featured board games each month just by mentioning to the cashier, where is the rulebook to receive
0: the discount at the register local
1: to TC Paintball.
0: And a huge thank you to John Ransom for making our theme song. Again, if you're in the Northern Michigan area, come play games with us at TC Paintball or at least stop in and see them for your next board game purchase. And if you love the theme song as much as us, check out Jack Pine for more music with John. Thanks for playing.